Are you ready to be transported back to 1800s high society London? Because season three of Bridgerton is now playing only on Netflix. This season follows the story of the Tons resident wallflower, Penelope Featherington, as she undergoes a journey of self-discovery and empowerment where we see her truly blossom. Penn's emotional transformation takes centre stage as her friendship with the charming Colin Bridgerton evolves into something more. For those not yet acquainted, Colin, the charming younger brother of the Bridgerton family, is about to turn Penelope's world upside down. Mm, This is the ultimate good friends to lovers story. From those initial butterflies to when both parties realise there might be something more between them, watch Bridgerton Season 3, now playing only on Netflix. Cyrus became famous for playing Hannah Montana, a girl living a double life. Only in the real world, when she was still just a teenager, Miley found herself straddling two different worlds, child stardom and adulthood. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Hello, Zara McDonald. Hello, Michelle Andrews. I am so excited for this new series, guys. We are doing a three-parter on the many scandals that have rocked Miley Cyrus's life. And boy, oh boy, there are a few we need to cover. Yeah, well, this has been quite the mammoth undertaking, (laughs) hasn't it? Sifting through the stuff that Miley has been through has been pretty extraordinary. And I think, again, like any big life and any big career... It was a challenge for us to sort through what we cared about, what to cover, what was important, because there is so much. I mean, I know we said there was a heap in Taylor Swift and and there was a heap in Taylor Swift, but there was almost just as much, if not more, in the life and career of Miley Cyrus. It's insane. Yeah, I think we also, Zara, feel a certain connection to this story because we grew up with Miley Cyrus. I was a big Disney Channel kid. I know you didn't have Foxtel, RIP. (laughs) I was a big Disney Channel kid and watching Hannah Montana was one of my real like highlights of my childhood at that time. It was the show that I would watch with my sisters and there was just something about it. There was something about the way Disney marketed Hannah Montana, something about Miley Cyrus as its central star that just made it a rocket ship of a kid's show. It's an incredible premise of a show. So clever. I know we will get to all of it in a second, but I think I didn't have... I didn't have Fox L, as I say, every few weeks. <laughs> but I did watch the show somehow. I must have just caught episodes here and there. But the thing about this show is when I kind of stripped it all back, I was like, what a beautiful premise mm. for a television show that young teenagers, particularly young teenage girls, are just totally going to get behind. Yeah. It's like everybody's stupid little dream. And they packaged it into a television show that was just glitzy and fun. Yeah. And it was amazing. And I agree with you. Given that Miley was born in 1992, she's two years older than you and I, we really kind of lived this in real time, watching her try to kind of break the shackles of Disney stardom, become an quote unquote adult, I guess, in the (laughs) eyes of the public. And there were a few missteps along the way, as we know, missteps that she's acknowledged too. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned it just then, Miley Cyrus was born in 1992. So what other year to head back to? Guys, we are rewinding. Let's go to Franklin, Tennessee in 1992. 
Alrighty, Mish. So, Miley Cyrus was born on November 23, 1992, as you say, in Franklin, Tennessee, to her mum, Letitia, known as Tish, Tish, of course, Cyrus, and her dad, Billy Ray. Yeah, now growing up, Miley was surrounded by fame. Her dad, Billy Ray Cyrus, I'm sure most of the listeners tuning into this will know this very, very well, was a 90s country music star. He was best known for his signature song, Achy Breaky Heart, (laughs) which isn't my favourite song. I'll put it out there, but that's okay. That did reach number one on the Hot Country Songs chart and, fun fact, was Australia's best-selling single in 1991. Yeah, so it's a popular tune, that's for sure. <laughs> Dolly Parton as well was or is still Miley Cyrus's godmother. Now, Miley's parents had actually both been married before they met each other. Her mum had two kids named Brandy and Trace from a previous relationship, while her dad also had a son called Christopher. Now, this story or this element of the story is a little bit scandalous, if I may, because <laughs> Christopher was born to a woman who got pregnant six months before Tish got pregnant. So he had two women who were pregnant at the same time. Mm. This was also when Tish was pregnant with Miley. So you can imagine at the height of his fame, Billy Ray Cyrus is accidentally or deliberately, who knows, got two women (laughs) pregnant, but he ended up marrying Tish. Yeah, he did. They weren't married at the time that Tish got pregnant, but after Miley was born, soon thereafter, they did get married. Miley was sort of a middle child. She had this kind of blended family. And after she was born, Tish and Billy Ray went on to have a son they named Brayson and a daughter they named Noah. Noah Cyrus is obviously quite famous now. For the first eight or so years of Miley's life, she lived with her family on a farm just outside of Nashville with horses and cows and chickens. If you didn't know as well, Miley Cyrus wasn't actually born Miley Cyrus. The name on her birth certificate was Destiny Hope Cyrus until she actually got it legally changed in 2008. Now, what's quite interesting about this is the quotes from Billy Ray about why they chose the name Destiny Hope for Miley. He once said, I had a vision, a dream. I said, my intuition has told me that the little girl, her name should be Destiny Hope Cyrus because I feel like it's her destiny to bring hope to the world. (laughs) I don't want to laugh at Billy Ray Cyrus, but as people will learn, he's got some interesting quotes on the record. And this quote did come in a particularly, dare I say, intriguing interview where there was lots of interesting (laughs) quotes like this. So, yes, Destiny Hope wasn't to be, though. It was not to be. Now, according to Miley, as soon as she was born, she was given the nickname Smiley and then Smiley Miley and then later on Miley. No one ever really referred to her as Destiny, so her name was legally changed when she was just a kid in 2008. Now, Zara, how did Miley get into acting? Yeah, so she was nine years old when she realised, I mean, this is according to the family, these stories are always sort of take with a grain of salt, <laughs> that she wanted to pursue a career in acting. It was early 2001 and Billy Ray had actually been working in acting himself. So he'd been working in Toronto shooting a TV medical drama called Doc. And after a few years of travelling back and forth, Miley's mum relocated the family to Canada for about a year to be closer to Billy Ray. There Miley was home schooled and there she apparently fell in love with being on set. Yeah, she later explained, being around the TV show set so much, I absorbed a little bit about filming, how the camera blocking worked, what it meant when they said cut, how important it was to be quiet. Now, while living in Canada, Miley actually started working with a music coach. She took singing and acting classes. And as she later told a reporter, she wanted to, and I quote, make myself better because I really wanted to take it seriously. And I didn't want people to think that I was 
was just getting a break because of my dad. So from the age of nine, she started scoring like a string of small acting jobs. She had a small part on her dad's show, Doc, the one we just mentioned. She appeared in a commercial. She scored a pretty tiny spot in the Tim Burton film, Big Fish. And interestingly, she auditioned but was rejected from The Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl, which was just huge (laughs) at the time, and a few other roles. The family, as we said, only lasted about a year in Toronto and then they moved back to Tennessee. Yeah, and that brings us to the moment when Miley Cyrus became Hannah Montana. It was 2004 and Miley was just 11 years old when she got a call from a talent agent who'd taken an interest in her. Now, Disney had actually asked this agent to send tapes through of all the girls they represented between the ages of 11 and 16 for a show they were making about a teen girl named Chloe Stewart who was secretly a pop star named Hannah Montana. Now, Disney wanted Miley to send a tape of her reading for a part, but that part was not for Hannah Montana slash Chloe Stewart. The part was for the character's best friend named Lily. Yeah, so Miley sent in the tape and Disney called back and when they called back, they said they actually wanted her to read for the part of Hannah Montana. Now, the day after she sent in the second audition tape, She got an email from Disney saying, actually, you're too young and too small to play Hannah. Miley later said, my dad said, Disney just made a big mistake. My intuition tells me that you are Hannah Montana. (laughs) What is with his intuition? Billy Ray's intuition comes in and out of these um, episodes. I'll tell you that much. How strong can your intuition be if you're like, this girl's name is Destiny Hope and then that is never (laughs) even her name. Yeah, that you rename her yourself. (laughs) Not long later, though, Disney did ring back. This time they decided they wanted Miley to come to LA and audition for Hannah in person. So clearly some flip-flopping around as to what exactly they wanted for this show. She, as we now know, ended up getting the part of Hannah Montana. She actually beat out the likes of Gossip Girl's Taylor Momsen to do it. Yeah, what a blast from the past there. The creators of Hannah Montana also ended up changing the lead character's name to Miley Stewart to make the number of different names attached to Miley a little less confusing, which actually seems like a very clever and well thought out decision to have Miley Cyrus, Miley Stewart and Hannah Montana rather than Miley Cyrus, Chloe Stewart and Hannah Montana. Like for a 12 or 13-year-old watching that show, that is a lot to consume. Yeah, I think it's such a small decision but such a pivotal one in the brand of building Miley Cyrus for sure. It was so funny though because when I was a kid watching this, I always thought that it was the world's biggest coincidence that her character's (laughs) name was Miley and her name was Miley and I was like, it's not a common name. (laughs) Not long after. Miley flew to LA so that she could be in the room while Disney auditioned other actors, particularly for the part of her best friend Lily and her dad. Now, if you read Miley Cyrus's autobiography, which we will talk about later in this episode, Miley's mum got friendly with some of the casting people and joked that they should bring in Billy Ray Cyrus to play Miley's dad on the show. Now, according to the autobiography, it was all very above board. He auditioned with a bunch of other actors and just happened to get the part. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Now, while her family were concerned that people might think Miley had only scored the lead because of her famous dad, Miley said that they had actually been, and I quote, praying for a way to keep the family together. And here was the crazy, completely unexpected solution. We'd deal with the rumours of who got what part first later. For now, we were just psyched to be in the same country. Let's unpack this. What do you actually think happened here? Because if I'm putting my analytical hat on, 
I think on the balance of probability, the most likely thing is that Miley Cyrus was cast as Hannah Montana, but Disney did give them a bit of a nudge nudge to say, and we'd love the star power of Billy Ray Cyrus on top. Yeah, or it could have worked the other way in that Billy Ray and Tish were like, yeah, Miley can do this at this young age, but perhaps it would be good to have a parental eye over this whole thing and Billy Ray does have acting experience. In some way or another, they have been branded as a package deal to Disney. There is no doubt about that. What is interesting, though, is that years later, Billy Ray came out and said that he only took the role to support his daughter and was paid pretty poorly for it considering how big of a show it was. He said... I knew I was working for peanuts. I'm not the smartest man in the world, but I know the difference. I went from $12,000 a week to, after four years and the millions that they make, $15,000 a week. Hell yeah, he said pretty sarcastically. I'm intrigued by this because that is still a bit of money. It's peanuts apparently. Yeah, but his wording is a bit funky here, isn't it? And I agree, perhaps maybe his pay rise should have been a bit higher, but Billy Ray is in no way the star of that show. <laughs> like he could have, dare I say, he could have sort of been phased out of that show and I don't think many people would have really cared. No, not towards the end. I also am picturing all the Hannah Montana episodes I ever watched and I'm just seeing Billy Ray standing in the kitchen behind their island bench. <laughs> I feel like he was just in that one spot the entire series. He did not move. Yeah, so it's still Good money, especially when your kid's making heaps of money. Fucking hell, 15 grand a week. Are you kidding? That's not peanuts to anyone. Now, fast forward to 2006 and at this point in the story, Miley is 13 years old. And in March, her show, Hannah Montana, was premiering to what turned out to be the largest audience for a Disney Channel program ever. Ever. Insane. Disney had already turned a number of teen actors like Hilary Duff, Raven Simone, and Dylan and Cole Sprouse into huge stars. And just like them, Miley quickly rose to fame. The morning after the premiere, Miley said that her and her aunt had gone to an amusement park where a group of 13 year old girls ran up to her and asked her for her autograph. She said, That was the moment when I realised that Hannah Montana wasn't just a new job I loved. There were people out there watching us, real people who recognised me on the street. And I wasn't just Miley Cyrus anymore. I was carrying Miley Stewart and Hannah Montana around with me. Now, by the end of that year, 2006, Walt Disney Records released its first Hannah Montana soundtrack, which topped the Billboard 200 chart in the US and went on to sell over 3 million copies worldwide. Miley wasn't just a child actor anymore. She was a certified pop star. The songs were catchy. They were bloody they were catchy. Incredible. Now, in 2006, Miley actually started dating Nick Jonas. He was a fellow <laughs> Disney star. He was also 13. This I feels about incredibly this. young. Yeah, I, I completely forgot that these two were linked in any way. Yeah, me too. And I think what's really, really fascinating about the pairing, I guess, of Miley and Nick, whether it was a publicity relationship or whether it was a real one is how it was packaged and sold to the world because publicly they told everyone that her and Nick bonded over their strong religious faith. Like it felt like the perfect Disney pairing Mm. for the network. Mm. Miley later wrote that she told Nick, I'm a hardcore Christian, to which he replied, that's what we call ourselves in my family. Now, Miley and the Jonas Brothers all famously wore purity rings as well, which were essentially rings that indicated that they had made a promise to God to wait until marriage until they had sex. The Jonas Brothers actually started wearing them after joining a chastity program called True Love Waits. 
Miley herself was pretty public about her decision to wear a purity ring. She spoke to TV Guide around this time and said, I like to think of myself as the girl that no one can get, that no one can keep in their hand. Even at my age, a lot of girls are starting to fall. And I think if staying a virgin is a commitment girls make, that's great. I want to have a really quick little interlude here about virginity and about purity rings and how they were like the cornerstone of the Disney brand because for a time there, so many Disney stars wore one, wore Mm. a purity ring and with hindsight – It feels incredibly bizarre, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We didn't only just have Miley and the Jonas Brothers. We also had likes of Selena Gomez and Hilary Duff being very public and vocal about their purity rings as well. This was a movement. The purity ring movement was massive in the late 1990s over in America. And it's interesting because when you kind of have a bird's eye view on this time, when you have what? 10, 20 years of hindsight to look back, you can kind of see how pop culture and politics ran in parallel lines to each other. So this purity ring movement actually coincided with a huge national rollout of abstinence-only sex education in American schools. Now, this was all under a banner that they called community-based abstinence education. Yeah, it was a big sort of part of Bush's presidency, Mm. right? Mm. This idea that like, no sex, not even like a conversation around sex. It's yeah. just like virginity is everything. Now, this kind of abstinence education program was effectively an effort to curb concerns around, and we quote, teen pregnancy and illegitimacy. Now, there is a really interesting piece in Jezebel that was written in 2018 that we will pop a link in our show notes where they interviewed a woman called Sarah Moslinar, who is the author of Virgin Nation. And she said, the purity movement was about conservative evangelicals keeping access to political power. And it was young people, sexually pure young people, who could best make that case. Mm. And with that kind of hindsight, this whole thing gets a pretty dark sort of feeling to it because you've got these young teen stars who are pawns to a political movement. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we know that by 2008, so two years, Years after Miley Cyrus and Nick Jonas were dating, Barack Obama did win the election and more liberal approaches to sex were broadly adopted culturally. His 2010 budget actually eliminated federal funding for abstinence-only sex education. And in the final budget of his administration, he elected to eliminate abstinence-only program funding completely. So what we saw was when Bush was in power, all of our major Disney stars were pushing purity rings. But in the 2010s, when we had a more progressive president in Barack Obama take power, Disney stars like Zendaya weren't telling their fans to put on purity rings. She was actually giving quotes to the media saying that sex was fine as long as you did it safely and that you sought and gave consent and got regular STI checks. A huge flick of the switch, like an insane flick of the switch and just such an interesting moment in time. Mm. So this brings us now to 2007 when Miley had become, as Time magazine put it, America's biggest kids super. Star. With the popularity of Hannah Montana, the magazine wrote that Disney had even overtaken Nickelodeon to become the most watched cable channel in prime time. Mm, it was around this time that Miley made moves to start establishing her own brand outside of Hannah Montana as well. So in 2007, she released a second album called Hannah Montana 2 Meet Miley Cyrus, which contained two CDs. One of the CDs had songs performed by, in quotation marks, 
Hannah Montana, the other CD had songs performed by Miley Cyrus. Yeah, the album once again was a huge success and Miley took over the one and only Kelly Clarkson to top the Billboard 200. Now, in October that year, she embarked on her first concert tour performing as Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus. I feel like those concerts were totally iconic as well. (laughs) The concert sold out in minutes and the vice president of Ticketmaster told the LA Times at the time, People who have been in this business for a long time are watching what's happening and they say there hasn't been a demand of this level or intensity since the Beatles or Elvis. You really can't overstate what Miley's influence and power was at this time. Yeah, it was crazy. During this tour, Miley was joined by the Jonas Brothers and it was also around this time that she and Nick Jonas ended their relationship Zara, we're going to talk a little bit more about the scandals that surrounded Miley Cyrus and Nick Jonas, but all of that will be coming up after the break. Alrighty, Mish, let's fast forward to April 2008, and this was when Miley was hit with her first sort of major scandal. At this point in the story, her career was going from strength to strength. She was just 15 years old. She had already starred in two seasons of Hannah Montana. She was the youngest performer to have two number one albums within 12 months. And she was telling the world at this point in time that she hadn't had a day off since Christmas 2006. Yeah, a ridiculously gruelling schedule. Now, the New York Times reported that sales for the Hannah Montana franchise were totaling about a billion dollars. A major motion picture based on the series was already in the works and Miley had just signed a seven-figure book deal for her autobiography. Condé Nast Portfolio magazine estimated that she was on track to be worth a billion dollars personally by the age of 18. So that year, Miley did this photo shoot for Vanity Fair with the very famous photographer, Annie Leibovitz. And if you remember our episode on Fleetwood Mac, Annie was, of course, the one who took that iconic photo of the band lying in Mm. bed all together. So it would be fair to say that this photo shoot was artistically a pretty cool opportunity and a signal at the time that Miley was a huge deal. Yeah, she was being taken seriously by everyone in the industry. But some did criticise the photos that Annie Leibovitz did take of Miley Cyrus for Vanity Fair and called them too provocative and sexualizing for a girl who was just 15 at the time. I think people had a point as well. Looking back on this in one photo, the main photo that people were sharing around, Miley was crouching down. She had a bed sheet held up to her naked body and was kind of covering her chest and turning to look at the camera. You could say this is a very sexual photo of a girl who was too young to be sexualized. Yeah, and it was on the cover of yeah. the magazine too, and it was it was just everywhere. Like it was an incredibly big deal. What happened at the same time is that there were some other photos that came out of Miley online. Now, the Associated Press reported that, and I quote, less than wholesome photos of a girl bearing a close resemblance to that of the 15-year-old superstar were making the rounds on the internet. One photo showed someone who looked like Miley pulling at the front of her singlet top to show her green bra. Another photo showed her laying across a guy's lap, her midriff exposed. Now, these were hardly the most scandalous photos in the world, but both of these scandals walked in parallel to each other Mm. happening at the same time. 
Rolling Stone explained, though, that even though these weren't the most scandalous photos of all time, they were a big deal for, and I quote, the squeaky clean brand of a rising Disney star. Yeah, it's also worth noting that the media's coverage of this photo controversy was really gross in parts. TMZ's reporting on that photo leak in particular is really difficult to read. Their article read as follows. Holy Hannah's Montana's pics of the scruffy-voiced, fast-talking 15-year-old flashing her bit parts and making her best jailbait sexy face have popped up on the internet again. While she's not shaving her head yet, Miley Cyrus might want to slow her tractor-trailer roll on the road to Spearsville. Like, this is a 15-year-old. Now, the combination of the leaked photos and the Vanity Fair shots sparked backlash, particularly from conservatives and Christians, and... Truthfully, this was a big part of the target audience of the show. Not only was Miley on the Disney Channel, but she and her family were from Tennessee. Her dad was a country music star. Like, Mm. these are the people they need the support of. Conservative commentator Bill O'Reilly, who hosted The O'Reilly Factor, blamed Miley's dad, Billy Ray, for this photo scandal. He said that Billy Ray had put her, and I quote, into a situation where she became, at 15, a sex symbol. Middle America, they don't like this. He was also joined by a spokesperson for the Christian Coalition of America who told Us Magazine that Disney should reprimand Miley. They said if she's going to go out there and represent wholesome values, she needs to be more accountable for her actions. The New York Post even made this story their front page news with huge block letters that yelled Miley's shame. As if that pressure on a teenager wasn't enough, the New York Times published an article under the headline, Revealing Photo Threatens a Major Disney Franchise. So the New York Post and the New York Times are talking about the Vanity Fair photo. Mm. Some other people are disappointed in the photo leak and both of these things combining together just created a huge shitstorm. Yeah, it's like if you had had one of these scandals happen separately to everything else going on, it would have been like a flash in a pan and then it would have gone away. But because you had Vanity Fair and this kind of teenager-esque photo leak happened within the same weeks of each other, it just exploded beyond anyone's comprehension. Now, Miley did have to come out with a statement in People magazine where she apologised profusely for the photos. She said, My goal in my music and my acting was always to make people happy. For Vanity Fair, I was so honoured and thrilled to be working with Annie. I took part in a photo shoot that was supposed to be artistic and now, seeing the photographs and reading the story, I feel so embarrassed. Yeah, she went on. The pictures of me on the internet were silly, inappropriate shots. I appreciate all the support of my fans and hope they understand that along the way I am going to make mistakes and I am not perfect. I never intended for any of this to happen and I am truly sorry if I have disappointed anyone. Most of all, I have let myself down. I will learn from my mistakes and trust my support team. My family and my faith will guide me through life's journey. It's really hard to read a 15-year-old apologising to adults this way. Like, I've let myself down. I'm so sorry to anyone who I've disappointed. Like, you're a fucking child. Shouldn't we all be disappointed in the adults who made this happen? Well, also that line, I will learn from my mistakes and trust my support team as if your support team hasn't been the one to put you in these scenarios the whole time. Disney also came out with a statement at the time which read, unfortunately, as the article suggests, a situation was created to deliberately manipulate a 15-year-old in order to sell magazines. Mm. So suddenly Disney's there wiping their hands clean of this 
being like, this had nothing to do with us. Yeah. In a statement to the New York Times, a spokesperson for Vanity Fair and the photographer Annie Leibovitz said that Miley's parents and minders were on the set all day. The quote reads, since the photo was taken digitally, they saw it on the shoot and everyone thought it was a beautiful and natural portrait of Miley. I think just as a blanket rule, if you're asking a teenager to strip off their clothing and cover themselves with something, you've crossed a line. Like teenagers get to keep their clothes on. Adults do not get to tell teenagers to take anything off. Interestingly, Miley came out 10 years after the incident and retracted her initial apology. She tweeted a photo of that New York Post cover, which said Miley's shame and said, I am not sorry fuck you, hashtag (laughs) 10 years ago. Now, that Vanity Fair article, like what was written in the article, also added fuel to the fire of this controversy. This article opened with Miley saying that her favourite TV show was Sex and the City and comparing Hannah Montana to the show that we all know from the 90s and noughties that put sex on the map. She said, obviously not the scenarios, but if you watch Sex and the City, like the way the friends are, the way that it's dry and they all have distinct characters, that's the thing we try to do on Hannah Montana. That show and every other show. (laughs) Miley also later had to issue a statement about this, clarifying that she only watched the edited version of Sex and the City that aired on the network TBS, which didn't have nudity or explicit (sighs) dialogue. I didn't quite realise the cage that she was living in Mm. at this time. Like to not even be able to say at 15 that you watched Sex and the City because there was sex or explicit language on there is pretty incredible. It's almost like the expectation of conservatives on Miley Cyrus was not only are you supposed to be completely pure and asexual, you're not even supposed to know that sex exists or find any interest in sex. Yeah, exactly. Now, on top of the controversial elements of the profile, there were some really interesting parts of the piece that detailed how much pressure there is on young Disney stars to not end up like Britney Spears. There is a a, quite a common thread here in a lot of the early stories about Miley Cyrus being that, oop, don't end up like Britney, Mm. which have not aged very well, dare I say. To more specifically quote the journalist in the piece, Miley was living in an era, and I quote, when every underage actress in Hollywood is stalked by the ghost of Britney future and that with Lindsay Lohan rehabbed and Britney Spears under psychiatric care, the tabloids are looking to Cyrus to flame out or at least do something mildly outrageous. Yeah, in this profile, Miley gave some really interesting quotes about it. She said, I think most 21 to 25-year-olds go through this kind of thing. It's not just on a platform, you know what I mean? Basically, they're being normal 21-year-olds, especially Lindsay. I mean, most of that's pretty normal. If you went to most high schools, I could point out Britney's and Lindsay's. She also said that she knew both stars and that she had talked to them from time to time. The reporter wrote of this, it's another thing I can't imagine her minders at Disney want to hear. Yeah, but Miley went on. I guess that's why I'm so adamant about the Britneys and Lindsays and whatever, because I know those people and I know they have good hearts and they're struggling. She gave those quotes at 15. Very clever. Like at a time when the tabloids and the press were so nasty to Lindsay Lohan and Britney Spears and had a real complete ignorance about what it means to be struggling with mental health, there is Miley Cyrus being like, but these are human beings and they have great hearts and they're struggling. Yeah, being the only compassionate person (laughs) in the room, really. Yeah, exactly. Now, what I think is really interesting about this point in time is, again, how much pressure was on Miley Cyrus, given how Hannah Montana was Disney's biggest moneymaker. 
people were so concerned that this could spell the end of the franchise, these photos could spell the end of the franchise, that the New York Times interviewed several Wall Street analysts about whether the scandal would impact Disney's profit margins. Now, the analysts came back and said, probably not one scandal, Mm. they will be okay. But imagine at 15, knowing the New York Times interviewing Wall Street analysts about the future of a franchise Mm. because a photo has been leaked of you or you've posed for a Vanity Fair photo where everybody else in the room has nodded and told you it's okay. Yeah, it's just an insane amount of pressure to put on a young girl. Now, despite all of this going on in the media, Miley was doing really well in her career. In June, she released her own album, Breakout, which meant she was taking a further step towards defining herself as an artist outside of Hannah Montana. That album topped the Billboard charts once again. Yeah, insane levels of success this young. But then a month later after the album and just as things were starting to cool down from the Vanity Fair photo shoot, a new round of personal photos hacked from Miley's accounts hit the internet. Now, Michelle, they included a selfie taken from above that showed her standing in her underwear and pulling up her shirt to reveal her stomach. Another selfie that was taken from above of Miley standing in a bikini in a pool, a photo of her blowing a kiss into a mirror with her shirt tucked up again, and a photo of her in the shower wearing a white t-shirt. Things that most 15-year-olds or 16-year-olds would have on their computer or in their email accounts at some time. Like, yes, they are a little raunchy. Do most 15 and 16-year-olds experiment with a little bit of raunchiness? Yes. Yeah, she was just like any other kid. It's just that in one of the images, Miley was reportedly wearing a necklace with the name Nick J. And according to Rolling Stone, these photos were ones that Miley had sent to Nick Jonas. Not quite what Disney would want. Not when they're wearing purity rings on their fingers. This isn't what Disney would have wanted for two of their most conservative stars. So, given these photos were on the internet, despite the fact that Miley and Nick had broken up at least a year prior, Disney had to get their PR machine in overdrive. And they did what they do best. They got to curating this story. Yeah, in March 2009, which was about nine or so months after these photos broke or leaked, I should say, Disney's publishing division published Miley Cyrus's autobiography. She wrote it with a ghostwriter when she was 15 and it was released when she was 16. It was called Miles to Go. Now, Michelle, this <laughs> book was a very specific angle on Miley's life. That angle was that she She was a good Christian American girl. It was interspersed with stories of her upbringing were poems, photographs, even her favourite quotes from the Bible. The book sold more than 2 million copies and topped the New York Times children's bestseller list. Yeah. To give you an idea, even more of an idea of what this book was like, we'll read you a passage from the blurb. Almost overnight, Miley would rocket to superstardom, becoming a television and singing phenomenon. Quiet days were replaced with sold-out concerts, television appearances, and magazine shoots. But through it all, Miley has remained close to her family and friends and has stayed connected to the southern roots that made her so strong. So Disney's going for something. They've clearly observed all of these photo controversies. They've observed the commentary that maybe Miley and Nick were a little more progressive with their teenage relationship than what the purity rings would have us believe. And they are trying to rewrite the record. Absolutely. The book also made an effort to reinforce the importance of Miley's commitment to her virginity as well. 
The book read, the press might make fun of some people for wearing purity rings, but I don't pay attention to that. They can think what they want. I have my morals, exclamation mark. I also have my faith to my career choices. I want to be a good role model. Now, she also spoke of her relationship with Nick Jonas in this incredibly wholesome, like if a little juvenile way. Mm. In fact, she referred to him not by name but by the moniker of Prince Charming. Prince Charming. Here's a passage from Miley's autobiography about that relationship. It felt like the whole world stopped. Nothing else mattered. I know it sounds silly, but my family doesn't set rules around love. My mammy met her husband on a Monday and they got married on Friday. They were together for 27 years. My mum doesn't believe that there's such a thing as being too young or too naive to be in love. In my family, when you fall in love, that's it. No one called it puppy love or made fun of me. He really was my Prince Charming and I knew it right away. It's really important to remind the listeners here as well that Miley and Nick weren't a thing anymore. Mm. We had already we've already mentioned that they'd broken up well before this book came out. But they were clearly trying to rewrite the record, as you say, and rewrite this relationship to remind people that, yes, don't worry, this was still pure in the way that we promised you it was. Yeah. I think it's also really important for people to remember the kind of Miley Cyrus we saw under the Disney umbrella. This was the Miley that was known for her trademark dimples, her long, bouncy, curly brunette hair. She was always wearing lots of big, chunky earrings and bracelets and necklaces. She was known for wearing long dresses over jeans on the red carpet. This was Disney Miley and Disney Miley was that very like wholesome Christian girl and Disney needed to maintain that to keep selling all of the various products associated with the franchise. Yeah, exactly. So at this point in time, you could argue that yes, Miley's career was absolutely on an upwards trajectory. But I think with any young female that is marred by any kind of of scandal that has to do with her body or her sex, you could say her reputation as the perfect, shiny, pure Disney actress had been slightly eroded out. Mm. Not completely, but we always have like a little asterisk next to women, or in this case, a teenager who finds themselves in headlines like this. In 2009, new episodes for season three of Hannah Montana came out on Disney. And in April that year, Hannah Montana, the movie was released in cinemas. It was a huge success and brought in more than $79 million at the box office. Mm, That was also the year that Miley started to work on the film adaptation of the popular Nicholas Sparks novel, The Last Song, probably my favorite movie from my teenage years. Amazing, this movie. (laughs) According to Miley's autobiography, Nicholas knew her family and actually wrote that book with Miley in mind to play the lead character. The book wasn't even finished when Miley began shooting for the film. At that time, Miley was mostly known for playing Hannah Montana, which was set to begin airing its final season. So the last song was another major step towards her adult career. Yeah, and if you haven't seen the film, where have you been? But it is about a rebellious teenage girl who goes to stay with her divorced father by the beach. It's while she's there that she falls in love with a guy from a rich family. She finds out her father is, spoiler alert, dying of cancer and writes a song in his honour hence the name of the film. Mm, The reason it was so significant for Miley, though, wasn't just the career stuff. It was also the fact that she would meet a guy that she would end up dating on and off for the next decade of her life, a relatively unknown Aussie actor at that point, Zara, 
by the name of Liam Hemsworth. Yeah, now at this point in his career, Liam is 19 years old. And as you say, Mish, pretty relatively unknown. He was born and raised in Melbourne before he and his family relocated to Phillip Island when he was 11. I think the Hemsworths always manage to remind people. Either the Hemsworth remind people that they <laughs> moved to Phillip Island or the press are obsessed with reminding ourselves that they are from Phillip Island. Well, I'm just obsessed that, like, the world is so tiny. Like, we always talk about the world being big, but it is really quite small that in an episode all about Hollywood, we're mentioning a bloke from Phillip Island. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm obsessed with it. Now, he had guest roles on Home and Away and McLeod's Daughters. He appeared on 25 episodes of Neighbours. He also reportedly auditioned for the role of Thor, but also Ultimately, that went to his older brother, Chris. <laughs> now, according to Harper's Bazaar, the last song really marked a turning point in Liam's career. He'd only been in LA for about five weeks when he received the script. He went in and auditioned with the director and producer and a week later read with Miley. Initially, Miley said that she wasn't that keen to work with Liam. She told Seventeen magazine... So I heard a rumour that he didn't want the role and so when he came in to audition for the role, I'm there thinking, here's this guy, he's amazingly good looking, super confident and he doesn't realise how blessed he is to be in this room because I know how blessed I am. This is such a big opportunity for both of us. And I was thinking, ugh, gross, you know. Then I started talking with him and he was just the most genuinely precious, sweet person. And the second audition comes around and the chemistry was instant. From the time he walked in that door and we saw each other again, we both lit up. Up, and we were excited to get to work and learn together. Now, Liam was not the original pick for the role in the last song. In an interview with Sunday Today, he said, originally they cast another kid and it didn't work out with him. My agent calls me whispering. He's like, all right, you've got to go to Disney right now. It's not working out with the other guy. You've got to go in and read with Miley again. Once he arrived, Liam said that everyone seemed happy about his return. He said, I come in and everyone starts clapping. They're like, we should have gone with you <laughs> <laughs> Liam said that he and Miley grew close while working together on set. We really enjoy being together there. We spent every day together in Georgia and we were pretty much each other's only friends down there. It is kind of hard not to become close. By August 2009, People magazine papped the pair making out at a Nashville airport writing, it looks like Miley Cyrus and Liam Hemsworth are more than just friendly co-stars. Only things weren't absolutely seamless when it came to Miley and Liam getting together because reportedly back here in Australia, Liam's girlfriend of five years, Laura, wasn't exactly stoked. Yeah, we know about this because Laura did an exclusive interview with Woman's Day the same month those pap shots came out in the media. The article in Woman's Day had a huge headline that read, Miley Cyrus stole my boyfriend. Now, Poor Laura said that she had met Liam Hemsworth at high school in Phillip Island and, I quote, he was my boyfriend and my best friend. There is no other reason why we would have broken up. That would be shattering, <laughs> watching him go to Hollywood and just move on. In an interview with Seventeen magazine that year, Miley said of her relationship with Liam, all you want is for one person to say, you did a really good job today or you look really beautiful or I was really moved by that. You just want one person to make you feel good about something you're doing. Liam has been a big part of that. So in August 2009... Things in Miley Cyrus's life were pretty great. She was super successful, famous, rich, and freshly in love. Only, guys, within the next two years, Miley would finish up her work with Disney. A video of her smoking a bong would end up on the internet. 
her dad would file for divorce and she would twerk on a global stage with Robin Thicke. She would also swing around on a wrecking ball, cut her hair, dye it blonde and cover her body in tattoos and that is the reimagining of Miley Cyrus. But that is also coming next week. Next week, guys. Thank you so much for sticking with us until the end of this episode. Episode two is going to be a big one. Yeah, I think people will know exactly the kind of stuff (laughs) we're about to cover on episode two because this was a really incredible time in Miley Cyrus's life. But we will get there, as we say, next Monday. In the meantime, if you want to support the show, head to our TikTok account. We are there at shameless underscore podcast where you will have little snippets from the episode (laughs) there for you to watch. What else can they do? Oh, follow us on Instagram while you're at it, at shameless podcast. We will pop up a gallery of Miley Cyrus through this time and I'm very excited for these galleries Zara because I think the galleries that fit the years of each episode we're doing will look completely different to one another. Yeah, 100%. This episode was researched by Justine Landis-Hanley. Guys, thank you so much for listening. As always, we'll be back in your ears on Thursday for another Pop Culture Wrap. That's right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.